Welcome to Mormon Happy Hour. My name is Colleen Dietz. Join me and my guests each week for an entertaining recap of the hottest topics in Mormonism. We keep tabs on social media and headline news so you don't have to. Don't miss our live pro tips as you adjust to your new and exciting post-Mormon life. Mormon Happy Hour is here to bring you the irreverent side of Mormonism, wherever you may be. Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode 47. I hope you are all able to find a way to enjoy your Thanksgiving festivities in relative peace this week. Enjoy your family. If they may be TBM, I hope you have a festive flask hidden somewhere in your undergarments. I can put a link to the bra wine flask for you ladies out there who need a little something to reduce the edge of your family's insensitive comments. And I've got some amazing things cooking for you, including a follow-up interview after the phenomenal episode of NPR's This American Life, where they focused on Bishop Worthiness interviews in the Mormon, yep, I said it, Winds for Satan, church. I have two very key figures that were mentioned in the episode lined up to give you their front seat reactions to how everything went down. Also, the headlines are building up, so I've asked a few new guests to stop by and run down the headlines TMZ style with you. I can't wait for you to meet two new voices. Just a spoiler so you can do your homework. These headlines include the LDS Church's announced changes to the mission types, service, and proselytizing, reactions to the episodes on This American Life, including a post on Feminist Mormon Housewives and C.J. Kendrick, and a few threads on ex-Mormon subreddit. Also, the first female senator here in Arizona is a former Mormon BYU alumni, openly bisexual, and non-theist. Checkity check check. I think I check all the same boxes. So that's really exciting. So we're going to talk about that as well. Plus a few other goodies I'm working on. Y'all, this podcasting hobby is fun. And let me tell you, it's my quote, pick a job you love and you'll never work another day in your life job. So those of you who are generous enough to support the show on Patreon, thank you so much for making sure that this hobby doesn't actually cost me too much money. And so today, since the holidays are upon us and my life is a shit show, I have a few things I've been saving for you that I know you will love to tide you over until I can get to those aforementioned projects. And I'm bringing you another fascinating six-minute skinny dip with Mithrin. This time, I asked him to give us the actual scoop on Blood Atonement. Oh, fuck! That reminds me! Have you seen the new Netflix series Sabrina? Yeah, they redid Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and it is nothing like the show of our childhood. Anyway, I am forming a book club-style takedown of the episode, where we draw all the parallels between the show and Mormonism, including Blood Atonement. So look for that in January, and watch the show, the first season, before then, so you're all caught up. No spoilers. And next, I have two delicious interviews from Sunstone with two goddesses that I finally was able to meet in person, Natasha Helfer Parker and Gina Colvin. So settle in to these wonderful chats with your favorite warming drink and have a happy holiday week. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the show, Mithrin, aka Kenneth Lines. Oh, what are you drinking, sir? Oh, this is uh this is a, a brandy and triple sec with uh some some bitters, a squeeze of lime, and some lemonade ginger ale. And altogether it's it's a happy drink. That sounds delicious. I am intrigued. Brandy one of those things that you read in all the historical novels, they're all drinking brandy and, and we don't really get into it now. So uh I don't know. I, I love it. I found it and and had to try. <laughs> all right, today's topic. If you uh if you're ready and, and buckled in for our six minutes, it is uh by request, blood atonement. Ooh. You ready? I'm ready. Tell me when our timer starts. All right, so I have my timer set for six minutes. All right, and go. So Blood Atonement, uh, the first record of Brigham Young teaching Blood Atonement happens in 1845, shortly after Joseph Smith died. The idea of Blood Atonement is that there are some sins that are so heinous that Jesus's atonement does not cover it. So the person must atone for it with their own blood. And we find some uh, indications of that in the scriptures with ideas like that the blood from the ground uh, cried up for restitution or, or whatever it is in the scriptures, uh, as well as in the modern, um, or the, the song that, that comes all the way back, which is praise to the man, long shall his blood, which was shed by assassins, cry unto heaven, uh, referring to the death of Joseph Smith and that, that atonement must be made. Um, so I'm just going to run through some of the times in which blood atonement was mentioned or, or brought up as well as some of the, the occurrences. Okay. In 1849, the Brigham Young had a council of 50 uh, that was talking about what to do in Utah with thieves and murderers and adulterers. And Brigham Young said, I want their cursed heads to be cut off that they may atone for their crimes. So, uh, very much along the, the, the lines of uh, blood atonement and the idea that they had to atone for it themselves, uh, beheading was very much a part and portion to it. In 1852, Young argued in favor of a law requiring decapitation for whites, quote, condemned by the law for miscongenation with black people. That would, would be, you know, you know. <laughs> uh, during this, this time period, there was a, uh, a reformation that occurred in, in Mormonism. Um, and we don't talk about this a whole lot in Mormon history. So I think it's kind of a fascinating topic that basically everyone had to be rebaptized into the, the church in Utah. Now, at the same time, they had excommunicated everyone who stayed behind in the, uh, the states in the east, so in Illinois, Nauvoo, all of uh, Joseph's relatives, such as uh, Emma uh, and, and her sons, uh, were considered excommunicated, and the church back there had excommunicated everyone who went west. It was kind of like a big old feud. Part of this reformation was everyone being rebaptized, but they also had catechisms. Uh, do you know what a catechism is? Uh-uh. So it's like a, a learning manual where, where there's a question and answer back and forth to remember a religious topic. And this is pretty common uh, in the day from Protestant, uh, it's kind of what they taught school kids. You kind of see it in The Great Brain and other, other books uh, that are written about, about the period. Um, but there are actually Mormon catechisms that children had to learn about the lectures on faith. We have totally forgotten the lectures on faith. We've thrown them out, the catechisms with them, but all of them but the last one had some sort of question and answer to remember. You might think of this as something like uh, a question and answer about 
you know, what is that? Uh, it is some sort of miracle that was performed. What does it have some sort of name? Yes, it does. Uh, can you tell me about what happened with that miracle? And this sort of learning mechanism was very common in the day. Um, so throughout this, this period of learning, uh, the lectures on faith and so forth, of course, uh, Brigham Young had added something to learn about blood atonement through the endowment session uh, about uh, that one needed to get vengeance for the blood of Joseph Smith on those who, who murdered him unto the third and fourth generation. Um, in 1856, so this is a little bit after that period, it was still kind of during the Reformation, Young and Jedediah Grant, now this is Heber J. Grant's father, uh, were going through and trying to convince people to uh, commit themselves again through, to this reformed Mormonism uh, that had come to the West. And uh, Grant was saying that there were a great many covenant-breaking members in the church who have committed sins that cannot be forgiven through baptism. Another kind of indication of this idea that you can't do it all through Jesus. Right. Um, Joe, uh, Brigham Young then taught, if you found your brother in bed with your wife and put a javelin through both of them, you would be justified and they would atone for their sins and be received into the kingdom of God. So that's the same sort of meeting, same sort of time period. Uh, this idea was very much connected together and adultery was considered to be one of the sins. Now, one of the things apologists will really want to get on if they were in the room is to say, but it was voluntary. People would... Uh, offer themselves forward to be um, to atone for their sins. So it was a voluntary idea in the theocratic state of Mormonism, which was never completed. One minute. So Rasmus Anderson, uh, uh, Lee John D. Lee talks about him actually doing this. He he volunteered to be sacrificed uh, at a grave that was dug for him. The Mountain Meadows Massacre, there is a lot of mention, and anyone that they did not crush the heads of, they did slit their throats ear to ear. Uh, Thomas Coleman in 1866 was a black who was dating a white man, and his head was hit with a rock, and then his throat was slit so much that he was almost decapitated. Uh. In 1920, the words describing the consequences of breaking your vows in the temple were removed. These included that they would rather have their throat cut from ear to ear, my tongue torn out by its roots, breasts torn open, hearts and vitals torn out and given to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, and your body cut asunder and your bowels gush out. Bruce R. McConkie, speaking on behalf of church leadership, wrote that while he still believed certain sins were beyond atonement, the power of the blood of, of Christ, the doctrine would only be applicable in a theocracy, which means once they take over, this still applies. And the last two things in 1990, the motions of the penalties were removed. You did not have to pantomime it anymore. The FLDS and other breakoffs still believe that these things apply. And that is atonement in six minutes. <laughs> six minutes and a little extra, but you did fantastic, sir. A little oh extra. My gosh. Okay, so I have some follow-up questions. Like, was behead like were these were these consequences common at this time for people to be like beheaded? Like, was that a thing? It's very much a, uh, it catches the imagination, as you can imagine. So there's tons of people who talk about all these beheadings, and yet there are no real beheadings on, on record. The ones that I cited are the only ones that exist. So there was the black man in 1866 who was dating the white woman. There was the, the one guy who died, the John D. Lee. He really did die. He really did have a grave where Lee said, 
there is just debate of whether John D. Lee is a, a reputable source. It's kind of hard to imagine anyone just lying down to be killed. And the story there is really fascinating because the guy is, the guy has sex with his stepdaughter, commits adultery, and they rebaptize him. But as part of the rebaptism, they say, if you ever do this again, you will have to die as part of the atonement. And it's only a few weeks later that, that there are reports that he has committed adultery with his stepdaughter again. Oh. And he willingly goes, uh, according to Lee, and, and is, uh, is killed. Uh, in the manner prescribed. So I don't know that there's a lot of evidence for a lot of people going through this. Uh, Certainly there's a lot more speech about it than there is actual evidence for it occurring. Wow. That, that's gross. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know what else to say, but that's disgusting. So, so this is a, a, this was a Brigham Young teaching, was it not? Or was it? Correct. It only comes in 1845 from Brigham Young forward after Joseph has died in 1844. Bless his legacy. Wow. Oh. <laughs> wow. And, and so we don't see it in the community of Christ. You don't see it in the Church of Christ temple lot. You don't see it in the Bickerdonites or the Rigdonites or the Strangites. None of them have this idea at all. But you do see it in anything that breaks off from Brigham. So the FLDS, the Kingstons. Um, what's their name? The Lamb of God, Everett LeBaron. How could I forget his name? Uh, and that he murdered a whole bunch of people in his congregation in order to rise to power, Game of Thrones style, and said that they had all needed to atone for their sins. So uh, very, very uh, almost fantasy level there. That's we see it a lot more in the FLDS, uh, the fundamentalist breakoffs of the Brighamite branch of Mormonism. Wow, that's crazy. Well, thank you, kind sir, and you did a beautiful job. And that concludes the six-minute skinny dip in Mormon history. Bravo. High five. High five. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Mithrin. You have a fabulous day. Thank you. Enjoy your history. professional. I don't know what you're talking about. You are a professional. I only feel professional certain moments. <laughs> okay. Get close together like you like each other. Get close together. I do like you. <laughs> it feels so weird that I've never met you because I feel like I totally have met you a million times. I know. I feel that way too. I don't know. We've interacted a lot. So. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, are you live? Oh, okay, we're good. <laughs> okay, well, anyway. Okay, hi. So, welcome to Mormon Happy Hour, live on location at Sunstone. I have a beautiful sacrament shot tray for you. Oh, wow. This is a gift from Ryan McKnight, so I have to... Thank you, Ryan. That's so, beautiful. So, uh, <clears throat> oh, so you're bringing out the booze already? I, yeah, and you it's get to new? pick your poison. Oh, Oh, I right. started hours ago, woman. Oh, all right. So, I have a, a Bombay Sapphire Gin. I have a pretty decent vodka, and then I have an Oak Heart Spiced Rum, which would you prefer? Um, this means I need to know something about alcohol. I would say the Spiced Rum sounds good. That's my choice. All right. All right. that? So you've never taken a shot before? No, I have. So uh-huh. just, 
I mean, what's interesting about my history, just going into my little Mormon alcohol history, uh-huh. is that my mother's a convert from Argentina, where oh, alcohol yes. is like not a big deal. Right. Neither is coffee, neither is mate, right. neither is black tea, like all these things. And, you know, at least at that time, I don't know how it is now, but things were very much in moderation. Like, I remember going to Argentina... Mm-hmm. as a teen, mm-hmm. hanging out, you know, at the local kind of adolescent party. <laughs> and there would be, like, one big bottle of beer, a few bottles of wine, a few uh-huh. bottles of Coca-Cola. Uh-huh. And everybody would just have a few drinks, and we'd uh-huh. all play guitar, and we'd sit and chat. Like, that was a cool teen party. Yeah. Whereas here, you know, I had been at keg parties and, like, holding my beer so that nobody would like force me to drink and I would like hold it just to you know have the appearance of evil because I wanted it because then nobody would bother me about not drinking <laughs> so true. and all my friends would get drunk and throw up and I was always like the designated driver so it was like so culturally different, different right like when we prohibit something exactly versus when we learn how to just have an adult relationship with something yeah, and how anything can be like healthy or unhealthy depending on your relationship with it. So mm-hmm. I've actually, you know, I grew up in a home where having a little bit of wine with water, even when we were like 12 or 13, was kind of like the first way that you would have a drink. Right. I remember my grandmother um, giving me, you know, like a little bit of orange juice with, I don't know, something whiskey or vodka or something a screwdriver so and then often on often on I would always have a little something Uh Um, and now that you know I'm more in this nuanced space of Mormonism for myself where you get to make your own decisions right Uh and every now and then you know I'll have a glass of wine or I'll have you know with dinner when we go out I don't really Mm -hmm. keep a lot of Stuff alcohol home. in my home, not not because I don't, I don't know. I, there's like no reason. It's just here. not your it's thing. Just, it's just, it's <laughs> not, yeah, drinking isn't like one of those things I want to do all the time. But every now and then, it's very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So that's my little Mormon <laughs> alcohol history. How about that? So here's yes. your spice drum. Okay. So and then what? To, okay. So what I do you want to drink too. And also, I'm just gonna say I'm not one that knows how to necessarily just shoot them down. Like I'm a sipper. So I'll well, try to shoot this down with you. It, this is a third of a shot, so it's a, it's a lot less. It's it's not even a full mouthful. So all right, and what are we drinking to? Yeah, you get to pick. How about we're drinking to um, self-authority on making alcohol decisions? Hey, and that? and and decisions about all of your sex life. Oh well, yeah, and for your own sure. body and all that. Oh, hello. Yeah, we can go there next. Okay. All right. That's good. Ooh, that one hit me. Throat. Oh, that went down super smooth. <laughs> See, you did it right. I did it wrong. I think I I whipped too hard and it caught me right here. Ooh. Right, right, right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she, so she's funny. already drunk. I'm feeling. Oh, oh, and that's the other thing. So you know, I'm giggly. Uh huh. I'm a little, whatever, whatever my personality is. Uh huh. And especially when it gets late at night, I get worse. Uh huh. With nothing, with no substances. Drunk. Yeah. And so, but everybody always like my friends were always like. Have you been drinking? And I'm like, no, like this is just me. And in fact, when I start drinking, uh-huh. then I'm like, uh. <laughs> so actually, my energy depletes with. Yeah. So if I'm like this, I, I have not been drinking. <laughs> if I'm leaning on your shoulder, <laughs> I probably have. Nice. All right. So what do I do with this I now? Just, just put them there, and here. I'll wash them later. Yep. 
All right, so now that we've done the shots, now okay. and we've been chit-chatting, but we haven't introduced you. Oh. So for our listeners, do you want to introduce yourself? Oh, hello. Yourself? <laughs> I told you all my story without saying who I am. No, that's, that's how right. I always okay. do it. Okay, great. So I'm Natasha Helfer-Parker, mm-hmm. and what do you want me to talk about, like my professional life or something? Or? Who are you? Okay, well, I'm Why so... should we know you? Oh, okay. Everything. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and have been for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I've been a certified sex therapist for almost seven years now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, the Mormons drove me to it all. It's true. (laughs) True story. No, I've been working with the majority of my population has been somewhere along the spectrum of Mormonism, whether Uh believing, mixed faith post-transitioning nuanced all of that so I've mm-hmm. actually loved my job I love working with Mormon people yeah um, and so and I run several podcasts so I run the Mormon mental health podcast for the Open Stories Foundation which mm-hmm. is all focused on anything to do with more mental health trying to dispel myths mm-hmm. taboos um, and specifically related with Mormon kind of Mormon niche issues yeah uh, or even if it's general issues, I try to make them kind of specific to a Mormon audience. And I think that's how we met, right? Yeah. So With you came one. on my show mm-hmm. to talk about when we um, the whole BYU thing was going on about right. assault and um, honor code issues and yeah. all that so you gave a great interview with I think was Thank Donna you. Kelly with us or who was um, with us we, well that was the second time we did a, a, a follow up panel I think a few months later oh, okay or maybe even a year later when they when, yeah, when they made some finally of their changes changed. it was right. um, uh, Allison Horrocks okay. was with me and she did a great job oh, too it was a great interview so and um, and I've actually put that on my other podcast as well I believe okay. which is Mormon Sex Info and this one is um it's for purchase, so I don't just give it out for free. Most of it is for purchase. There are a few episodes on there that are for free, so you can mm-hmm. check it out. But most of what happens on Mormon Sex Info is I interview mostly professionals, uh-huh. and I have, like, a wonderful, like, as soon as you tell people, hey, you want to come on and talk to Mormons? For some reason, they're like, what? Of course I would love to talk to Mormons. I get some really, like, really important people. Really? Authors of amazing books, like, people who would usually charge a lot of money. So what's their draw? I think that they they want to reach out to kind of communities that they don't usually get access to. And there's a lot of misconceptions in the general public about Mormons anyway. I mean, I think most Mormons know that at some uh-huh. point, you know, with polygamy and all these things. So I think... Um, a sexual educator or a sex therapist who is nationally renowned isn't always feeling like that's a population they could access because, and, and for good reason. I mean, Mm -hmm. we haven't as a Mormon people been very like open to non-Mormon ideas, especially around sexuality. In fact, a lot of people come to me or to my providers because they don't want to go to a non-Mormon therapist because they're afraid. It's unsafe because it feels like, Right, or they're going to tell us, you know, that I should masturbate, or that mm-hmm. I should be having more sex, or that I should get a divorce, or, you know, and so there's mm-hmm. a lot of misconceptions, too, about therapy, and I'm not saying those things don't happen, but therapists should be trained mm-hmm. to kind of meet you where your values are at, and, mm-hmm. and not that you have to, I mean, as a therapist, I'm always challenging people's perspectives, but it's one thing to challenge and just say, well, here's some options, versus you should get a divorce, right, mm-hmm. or you should masturbate, or you should change your values about this. Therapists shouldn't be doing that. Right. So, 
Um, and that's kind of what we specialize at, at Symmetry Solutions, which is my online practice, is okay. working with Mormons regardless of where they're at, mm-hmm. because I want them to feel um, like there's a place where you're not going to have to explain for 10 sessions what Mormonism is to your therapist and mm-hmm. feel like you're wasting your money doing that. Mm-hmm. Or you're, you don't want to feel either like you're going to the LDS therapist who's saying things that are inappropriate, who's or acting that, more know, like an well ecclesiastical just, leader. Might as well just go to your bishop. Right. Like, well, have you thought to pray about that? Or, you know, that's not I'm a here. therapist role. <laughs> right. So we kind of specialize in working, you know, like we're, we're very... Um, careful not to project our own either Mormonism or non-Mormonism onto our clients and I feel very strongly about that and that's why I I also formed the Mormon Mental Health Association where we vet providers given that you know kind of criteria Uh so everybody who's on that directory has had a conversation with me Mm -hmm. has read our mission statement has you know agreed to our positions um, which are things like you know no reparative therapy um being culturally competent in Mormonism, but you don't have to be a Mormon yourself necessarily to be on that list. Mm-hmm. Or as because AMCAP, which is the other association, kind of makes it so that therapists have to be Mormon, they have to be temple recommend holders, and yeah. they have to agree not to do any type of therapy that would go against church guidelines. And that's a very unethical position yeah. for therapists to agree to that because then. It's um, it's like the church is acting as your licensing board. It's kind of like yeah. you know, as a cardiologist, you you know, you're only going to do things that the church would agree for you to do. And the church isn't an expert on cardiology, and the church yeah. is definitely not an expert in mental health. Yeah. And so we conflate these issues a lot when it comes to mental health. And so I just want to have resources for people, mm-hmm. whether they're believers, whether they're in mixed faith relationships, whether they are nuanced but still want to stay engaged in positive, healthy ways with the church, mm-hmm. or whether they're really ready to leave and not wanting to be a part of the church anymore. I want resources for people all along that spectrum mm-hmm. that are going to feel honored and valued and that they're not going to, you know, be traumatized or right. feel like they had a provider who didn't understand where they were coming from. Or push them in a direction they didn't want to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's kind of all that I did. Oh, and I just I just came out with two books. You did. Oh, <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. And I brought them, and they sold out. I'm like, I brought 30 of each. Wow. And I thought, I'll probably go home with 20 of each. <laughs> <laughs> and they sold out. I'm just thrilled. So, one of them is called Check Your Baggage. Mm-hmm. And it's about kind of understanding where you might have some sexual hang-ups and what are the that. messages I that want we get. I want that book now. From, and it's not just Mormon. It's not for Mormons. It's right. like because Mormons are not the only people who have sexual hang-ups. I mean, mm-hmm. we come from a puritanical society and we have a lot of weird messaging and just in the United States around sexuality. Yeah. So it's kind of that, it's kind of a starting point to kind of understand how some of those things may be affecting you. So, and it's not just intellectual. It has a lot of like exercises and kind of some homework cool. assignments because it's one thing to read go, it. Oh yeah, I yeah. agree with that. But it's a whole another thing to have that trickle into your body and your sexual experiences. And sometimes wow. we can be really frustrated when we're having sex and like this intrusive thought pops in and it's like why am I thinking about that even though I don't agree with that so mm-hmm. it kind of tries to address some of those things wow and then the next book is um two I can't remember the name of my own book two <laughs> it's the shot two, oh yeah so the shot is the whole reason <laughs> uh, two views one family uh-huh and so it's how to fortify your mixed faith Mormon marriage oh, wow, so it's that's five really tips important. It's really short. It's not by any means comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to do a more comprehensive faith book, um, but 
I, uh, but this is kind of like a starting point and some just good strategies and tips for somebody who's really struggling with a spouse, either as a believer or as the non-believer. Wow. So, so it's written, you can read it from both perspectives. Right. Yeah. Cool. It's That's nice. Both. Yep. That's really nice. Yeah. Congrats. So I'm excited about that. And can, where else can we find your book? Um, so right now I need to just post links to it. We're trying to get the Amazon link up. So okay. If you follow me on Facebook, I'll have it up on there. Okay. If you want to go, eventually it'll be, I mean, probably like this week, it'll be on natashaparker.org. Okay. Cool. Which is my website. So Fantastic. Yeah. Congrats. Thank That's you. so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time. I've been thinking of writing a book for yeah. 10 plus years. It's just hard to do. So. And I have to say, just as for my own, t- you know, Natasha testimonial. Oh, no? You, like, <laughs> everything that you say, like, since I was introduced to you two years ago and have kind of struggled through my own faith transition that comes with rape trauma and all that ugly things. And then, you know, working into a post-Mormon sex life, like, all of that baggage, like you were saying... Like, you, everything that you have ever said that I've heard through interviews, I'm like, I'm like Natasha is, anything <laughs> Natasha has to say, like, I, I, I can I can just rest assured that it's it's healthy, Aww. it's researched, and it comes from a place of genuine, like, like, ethically what is the right thing to do for the client, not like, like, what does the church say or what does the world say? Like, it's, it's for, it's very, like, individual-based, and I really love everything that you have to say, and I can't wait Thank to read you. your book, because I definitely Thank can you. use a lot of those, the, the works, you know, the, yeah. the work, the, what, what do you call them, the homeworks? The, yeah, the homework assignments, yeah. and kind of the exercises, there's written exercises, experiential exercises, there's, mm-hmm. like, mindful things that you can do, and guided imagery and stuff like that. So. Okay, I'm really excited. Good. <laughs> And I just, I, you know, along with what you said, I just want people to understand too that it's like perfectly okay to disagree with me. Like mm-hmm. I'm a big proponent of you're the expert in your right. life. I'm the expert of a lot of like kind of social ideas and psychology and kind of patterns, but mm-hmm. people aren't patterns and people aren't statistics. And so I really, like you said, I really do try to make it about the individual because what's yeah. right for you may not be right for me. Mm-hmm. And we need to have so I always welcome people to disagree with my authority because <laughs> we come from an authoritarian kind of construct and I don't want to be another and so you authority. give their authority back to them yeah I don't want your authority yeah. you know, I want to give you information I want to you know validate your story but then I want you to figure out what's best for you given what I can you know offer yeah. you so yeah I think that's really wonderful yeah Well, thank you. Thank you. Maybe we'll touch base again a little later. Yes. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for the smooth (laughs) little shot. You're welcome. Don't tell anyone. (laughs) Not my mom either. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) All right. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Thank Thank you. you. If you find Gina, bring her back. All right, I will. Because I would love that. I will. I don't know if she drinks or not. Probably not, but who knows? I can. I, I always offer. People can say no. All right. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks for this. Yeah, thank you. thought like I, I, I saw men with facial hair I'm like I would never like a husband that facial hair ew it's so gross and then he grew his own I'm like I love it <laughs> love it love it when it's in that stubbly stage it's not great I know no, but then so, it gets soft and it gets for those soft, first yeah. few days yes. I'm always like oh, 
have it. I yeah. want it. Once you get past the like ow stage, yes. <laughs> end results, I'll put up with the prickly. <laughs> True. Are you it's recording already? Battle. Oh yeah, okay. that's yours. All right. Up there. Yeah. Are you? Are we ready What's to get this? Yes. We're going to start the same way. Okay. She's already asking you about it. All right. Yes. So, um, I have a sacrament shot tray. Uh-huh. This is uh, a gift from Ryan McKnight. And and Natasha pointed out to me that this is Where a... Where did you get it from? This is a Mockingjay. He got it off did Etsy. Did he made it? No, I wish. He got it off Etsy. But, like... Someone made it. Someone made it? Yeah. Focused on, like, our no, Mormon not tradition Mormonism. or just kind of just Catholicism or whatever. Like, just sacrament in Just general. sacrament in general. Yeah. One of these days I'm going to get an actual Mormon one, and we won't talk about the ethics of how, but I want one. Oh, no, oh. you can just get them at the um, distribution center. Oh, she knows? I can? I can just yes. walk in and buy it? Yes. Do I have to have a temple recommend, though? Uh, possibly not. Possibly. <laughs> or I could find someone who does. Yes. Yes. I should do I the one should, but you can do the one, the Redwood Road one. The Redwood, you know, the West Valley distribution center has everything. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Why do I already feel like I'm doing ping pong? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have a tray. Yes. Okay. And now I have That's a beautiful. I have a bag a of goodies, Gina. Oh, oh, yay. Um, so would you like a spiced rum, a gin, or a vodka? Do you know these things? Yes, I do. Okay, because I don't. I mean, like, I, I know I like them all, but then I'm like, I don't know what the hell they all are. Do we so. have to... Are this going on, like, live? Yes. Because I do keep my drinking quite quiet. Well, um... I already explained my whole relationship with Mormon drinking. Yes. So, you can pass. Um, I will tell you uh-huh. that out of all of those things, if I should choose to drink those things, I would have a rum with it. A splash of coke Ooh. and a vodka with a splash of or, um, with a splash of lemonade and the gin with some orange she knows her stuff mm. look at her if, I'm like if I'm I like, drank I'm blown away <laughs> if I drank but I don't <laughs> Well, so choose one for me because I'm lame and I don't know. And I already explained well, my whole Well, okay, just let me just, just feel into the physiognomy and the kind of the aura here. I feel that you would be a gin and orange person. Actually, there's some very nice tonics that go with gin. And you would like those, yes. That's what we do. All right. So do you want to try that for me then? Do you want to? Well, I don't have any mixers, but we want to try it No, gin? but yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, by itself, I know. I've tried it's it. It's a little rough by itself. It's very I, rough by Okay, itself. but I just like took it down like no big deal last time. Okay, well, I think it's really good to taste gin. She yes. can taste it. Yes. Okay, we'll taste it. Well, I know I've tasted it before. Lime I just don't remember. I just don't remember. Tonic like... and lime with a vodka. Is okay, well, you'll remember okay. this. What's Bombay gin... Sapphire? That's yes, great. Yes, it's good lime. stuff. But I don't know that. <laughs> right. She's heard. I've heard that. Yes. Well, you're very educated about it. I I told her my whole history that like drinking wasn't really a big deal in my family. Cause uh-huh. My mom's from Argentina. It's all very different. Mm-hmm. What's New Zealand like's culture with alcohol? Well, it's big. Like, is it, big like is it like us? Like. It's cool to get drunk and throw up. It's been as teenagers in Argentina. It was not like that. In Argentina, it was like it was so immature to get drunk. Yeah, yeah, and I think in Europe. In Northern Europe. Wait, where's mine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's an audio podcast, so Gina's not drinking. Okay. I'm not drinking. So, and so as you drink that, I would just talk about in Northern Europe. Um, young people are taught. I'm just. I will smell like alcohol because I'm spilling it all over myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Okay. See how I act, right? But I'm not. 
Um, let me just write, you're giggling. Um, tittering, I should say. There's a bit of a titter going on here. Um, in Northern Europe and on the continent, they teach young people how to drink sensibly. Yes. You know, from an early age. That. Right. From an early age. Right. And so it's not cool to get drunk. Right. Yeah. Because then it's, it's like very... you can't control yourself or you don't have discipline. That's or... right. That's right. And it shows that your, your immaturity. Right. So from a very young age, you know, it's wine with some water. Right. And we sit quietly and That's we talk. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, you know, beer's not a big thing. You know, beer's just sort of a social drink to have with pizza meat pie yeah yeah meat pie but that's in new zealand or not or no Europe, new zealand has that kind of australia the uk the united states new zealand yeah have been drinking culture okay. so oh, where did that come from i wonder do, um, do I, you know what i do think it's a class thing yeah and i have thought a lot about this i think it's a class thing and it comes a lot of it comes from england um where the working class is all they had particularly the urban working class is all they had was the pub you know, it's the social centre. They weren't accepted mm-hmm. anywhere else. Yeah. And the only kind of joy they had was to go to the pub or, and to drink mm. cheap alcohol, which is, you know, is, is beer. Yeah, right. Um, and that would lubricate the kind of the hardships. Yeah. And yeah, it's she very much a lubricate. Thing. Yes. Hardships. Yes. Yes, Natasha. I want to lubricate some hardships. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh, you're so. Okay, so she you, wants to take it. We you, want to take it. We want to do a. Uh, you get uh, to pick what we're what, what we're Tasha doing. Tasha and I are are, toast are cheering on. too. Okay, we are toasting, and I'm not because I don't drink. Right, but you can still um, toast. <laughs> um, we are toasting to this great event, wherein all Mormons, without judgment or shame, are able to come and be their authentic selves. Amen. I love that. Cheers. Amen. All right. This is an audio podcast, so you don't have to take yours. Oh, I won't. Oh, okay. Ready? Uh-huh. It's different. What do you taste? It's more, like, fiery. Yeah? Like, I can feel in the back of my throat, kind of warm, and then content? a little bit into my nose. Oh, my goodness. My this is, like, 15%, I bet. 20. It's 47. Oh, yes. Yes. Oops. And then this is... But you shouldn't be drinking this on your own, people. 35. It is a little bit. You shouldn't be drinking this without no, it's some good. yummies. Yeah. So at home, what we well, do Well, that's what this. I like, because I like the cocktails, you know, where yeah. it's all mixed in. Yeah. We're all about, I don't like sugary drinks. Mm. So at home, we do gin and just one of those sparkling waters. Mm. So like a bubbly or a LaCroix. And then we oh, tonic feel water. it coming down. Yeah. Isn't that great? <laughs> it's lovely with a tonic water. I've so never I tried that. So what's in a tonic water? Is it, oh, it has a um, flavor? You know, it's a tonic water. It's got that um, thing that stops malaria. Um, and, and also makes you go blind? <laughs> is that true too? <laughs> no, what is that? It's that, like an Indian tonic water. It has, um, what's that stuff that you take to stop malaria? I don't know. Uh, penicillin? Ooh, no, not penicillin. <laughs> it's a, uh, oh, I know. There are people, are people listening who are going to go, I don't know what it is. Well, you can't tell me, so don't be such yeah. a smart Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it'll come to me. It'll okay. Come to me. All right. Okay. So it, while it's coming to you. Um, <clears throat> no. Yes. Natasha's introduced herself, so you are new. So yes. would you like to introduce yourself to our, about your our, our listeners? Okay. Everything we need to know. Everything you need Gina. to know. In like, you know, five minutes. About what? About, about you. you. About, oh my gosh. Um, what, um, all right, well, I, if you? we're talking about drinking, is this the thing? <laughs> yeah, kind of. I grew up with a Catholic stepfather who had a home brewery 
Um, and I helped him uh-huh. make beer. Uh-huh. Uh, and he also made tea maria, and he was a very, very heavy drinker. Uh-huh. Uh, and that did not make him a nice person. So I do have a relationship with alcohol, mm-hmm. which is a little conflicted. Yeah. Like, I do. I feel like sensible, moderate drinking is just kind of what humanity does. They find mm-hmm. um, they f- find concoctions to relax them, and and I don't know why we're not so a little bit more flexible with that. But then you know it's a sliding scale, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So for my stepfather, you know, a shot of. Uzo would send him off for the night, you know, wouldn't know where to stop. Mm. So it's quite a risky thing, and I think the word wisdom is quite wise in that respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, I, I like it in the moderation, not yes. in the prohibition. And also um, with this idea of individual self awareness, mm-hmm. because like most things, what happens to your body is going to affect you differently than my body. Yeah, exactly. Which ties back to sexuality. Like, I might really enjoy something that you don't enjoy, or vice versa, oh, or... <laughs> I might try, try a lot of things you suggest. It's all quite nice. <laughs> I'm so glad that's worked out for yes, you. I nice. love it. Yes. Yes. I feel like I'm missing a conversation that I was not a part of. Well, we're, we're concentrating on alcohol now. We'll get to sex. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but Gina, you can yes. introduce yourself. You. Like if nobody like knows who, who Gina you? Colvin yeah. is. Who's Gina Colvin? All right. Gina Colvin is uh, from the tribe of Ngāti Purau and Ngāpuhi. Wow, that's and beautiful. And my mountain is Hikurangi and my river is Waiapu. And these are significant. That's who I am. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And what do you do with all of that? What I do with it, I stand. <coughs> yeah. It, it's, it's like a very strong anchor. So when everything else goes, that's something that's an identity that doesn't change. Mm-hmm. I get it from birth and I take it to death. And that is the one identity that I have that cannot change. Wow. So. I love that. Yeah. And you run the Thoughtful Faith podcast. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm a mother of six males. <laughs> Lots the of smelly feet. Wife of one male. Um, I'm mostly Mormon. I'm 100% Mormon, 100% Anglican, 100% Baptist. Oh, I love that. I've, I've yes. listened to your most recent journey. I forget where it was on. Uh, Mosaic, maybe? I listened mm. to your interview on Mosaic, and it was beautiful. Oh, Derek. To listen to all of that. that yeah. to, oh, maybe it wasn't on Mosaic, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mosaic. It was Derek. Clements, yeah, it was right? Derek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I want to do that. Yes. It was beautiful. Derek. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell him. And, um, yeah. Well, and you also study theology. Oh, yes. And... I'm a theologian. I'm mostly a missiologist at the moment. That's kind of my field. Missiologist. A missiologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and working on work of an indigenous woman's hermeneutic of the Bible. Nice. I know. It's fabulous <laughs> stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, it's fabulous stuff. Really enjoy it. Um, I'm... I've been kind of asked if I'd be considered ordination, start on that road. So I'm starting on that road, utterly and completely open to the possibility it's not me. In what denomination? Anglicanism. Anglicanism. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do have an issue because, like, if you're ordained, you pledge fealty to the bishop, vow fealty, and I just don't think that's in me. Yeah. So I might just end up being a Baptist pastor. Mm. I'm not sure. Or just the Relief Society president. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I did tell my local uh, authorities, you know, where they, I've, I've got a bit of trouble for being ordained, uh, for being confirmed. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I still feel Mormon. It's not my fault that you didn't supplement it well enough. You know, you didn't give me the extra that place that I could go to. I just supplemented. And I said, yeah. but I'm happy to have a calling. 
Well, our meetings are in the afternoon, as long as you leave me free, because I'm a liturgical minister in the morning in the Anglican Church, so... How are they dealing with all yeah. of that? Not well. Not well. Not well. Well, that's their problem. I think yeah. so. Yeah. There's, um, they can contact Symmetry Solutions <laughs> for some therapy. Great. Yeah. Yes. Help them work do through online their work. They can yeah. work through their feelings yeah. about having Gina in their ward. I know. Really, it's it troubles them. We take people them. all over the spectrum, so mm. we will honor their feelings mm. about that mm-hmm. and their journey. There we go. There we go, President <laughs> Bishop. There you go. Love Several it. people have to contact me. <laughs> <laughs> so, what brings you to Sunstone? An invitation. Oh, I mean, I'm a, I'm an old Sunstone hack. Mm-hmm. How so. many years? Oh, four, five years. Wow. Yeah. She does great presentations. Oh yeah. I'm doing Sunstone Light this year, so I'm not done much. Oh. Well, you did a great. Um, although I couldn't come, and I was kind of sick about it, but. Um, she a presented service. a community of Christ last Sunday. Well, it was a service. It was yeah. a full ecumenical service with, with communion, with community of Christ and a Baptist ordained Baptist minister and a Lutheran seminarian and an Anglican, and we're all Mormons. So there you go. Wow, it was fabulous. All female and all female. You can understand why I was sick. Female I it. girl prayers and lighting ca- girls lighting candles. It was just absolutely gorgeous. Wow, yeah. That's beautiful. Amazing. I, I think that's one of the things I really enjoy about you is in my faith transition, you know, as with a lot of Mormons, you kind of just don't like religion at all. You don't like spirituality at all. You're just kind of turned off. But listening to you and your journey has really kind of changed my mind a lot to say, no, it is it is something that I can still find fulfillment in like mm. you have mm. and, in, mm. and explore it on my own terms. Yes, so I yes. love the example that you're setting and, and how I, you're telling your story. But I do think it's a patriarchal thing. I mean, you mm. look at these men, they do the faith kind of development thing, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, we're in crisis. And they just speak so loudly with all that privilege that, you know, they've got about their lack of privilege, their loss of privilege, their loss of voice. I'm like, dude, we never had it. <laughs> we never had it. And I think it would be very, you know, it's a very a feminine gesture to say, I am made of parts of parts of parts. And I'm not going to swap one for the other. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring this part into the next part of my life. Yeah. So it's it's an a, it's a, it's a thing of spiritual activism, I think. Yeah. To say, you know, don't crowd out my voice with your kind of your cowing and your you know whining. <laughs> I had spiritual experiences as a Mormon. Mm-hmm. I have them as Anglican and as Baptist and, and as a Maori just woman. as valid. Yeah, absolutely, all of it is. Mm-hmm. It says that God doesn't care where we're worshiping or how God will show up. That's how much He loves us. Yes. Or she. I love it. She's a spiritual intellectual. Mm-hmm. And just in case anybody hasn't noticed, notice how I'm quieter now. <laughs> I might That's after two to... shots. It's hot. It is hot. Did you have, um, did you have, um, you did go. you have two shots? Well, I had one before when I oh, came. Oh, okay. Technically. Oh, yeah. We don't drink here at Sunstone, by the way. No, that's so, small. I didn't ask permission. I figured oh. I'd just beg forgiveness. Well, yes. Uh-huh. That's the better way to go, usually. So, I wanted to throw something at you, since I've never actually brought this up to anyone who's theological, yes. especially theological. as advanced as, as you. Uh, so as I left Mormonism, yes. I, I wasn't sure whether I was, you know, atheist or agnostic or any of those, and, yes. and I kind of decided that I'm an apathist and I don't really care. Uh-huh. But the more I hear about people's spiritual journeys like yours, the more I'm like, well, I, I feel something. Yes. Some, when, when I hear other people talk about it, there's something within me that says, wait, 
there's something there. Yes. And and like I'll even I'll, I'll go to I go to a Christian women's group and they talk a lot about God in the meeting and I'm like yes. at first right through my transition I was like I don't want to be here and then you know now I'm more comfortable being yes. there. Yes. And I still pray. I feel like it's a very um, habitual thing that that gave me comfort as a Mormon and I've never stopped doing it through my entire like leaving the church when when shit hits the fan like that's my number one resource and and so I've done a lot of like exploration like well what does this mean you know and and I think something that I've come to is that I do believe in an inner goddess yes and I believe that who I am praying to is my the woman inside me, the goddess inside me, that she is my wisdom, she's the perfect version of me, and she gives me guidance and support and comfort when I need it, mm. and and that's who I commune with. And mm. so I'm like, I don't know what that makes me in a the theological sense, but mm-hmm. it's really something that speaks to me because it it's, it's that authenticity and it's that honoring within. And even if I don't feel like me right here is the greatest person in the world, I have it within me that I can mm. tap into yes. and that I can yeah. learn from. So I don't know where that fits into theology. It's, oh, it's absolutely fundamental mm-hmm. because the notion is uh, more in contemplative circles is uh-huh. that we're all made in an, a divine image. Mm-hmm. Um, we're made from the stuff of divinity. I mean, and churches have a way, uh, institutional churches have had a way of out- asking us to continue to outsource our authority to clergy yes and then to idolize the church as just the same as God so a lot of Mormons leave the church right Mm. and they leave everything behind and I understand that reflex but that's because the church has become God priesthood has become divinity yes Um, and then so they don't they don't often they're not well served um, theologically and doctrinally to say actually God is more than just the image that God has been created in, mm-hmm. and the LDS Church. So, and I think you know that when we talk about faith development, I just did a session with Bill Real about faith development. You know, and you've got that stage development here, and everybody's that's the latest thing. It's like, yeah, and we go from this kind of you know this conventional faith to a what is the next stage? The kind of the faith crisis to a. A, a kind of an organic kind uh-huh. of cosmological stage that's very good research on men but it's not good research <laughs> on women and women's faith development research basically says actually we have it all stacked up inside us uh-huh. we have an environment that doesn't want to hear it they don't want to hear our voices so actually we go from silence to authentic presence and I think you know I see your path as actually I'm giving voice to that deep presence mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that's a very, very feminine, a very, very feminine divine thing to do. I love that. Mm. We're feminine divine. We are. We are. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree. This has been lovely. Yeah. Thank you. Now I'm a teary. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I need to grab a hug because I didn't get a hug from you on the way in. So we'll have to because I wanted to pee, out. right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, ladies. It's That's all right. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. So this is, are we not getting any more to drink? Or are you not oh, getting she, any no, more she's, <laughs> she's kind of stingy. I'm just I am not. <laughs> Let's take a picture. We still have one more to try. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Break it out. Break it out. Okay. <laughs> this was yeah, really good. good what is that? What is that little thing that you've got there? Gary? Yeah. Can you want to mix it? What is that? What have we got? A vodka? A put vodka it, put that with a vodka. Okay, here. I'll just take the... the straight one because I just want to taste them. Well, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Red solo cup. Red solo cup. 
Do you know that song? I'll pick you up. Yeah. Let's have a party. <laughs> But give me just a little taste of it, just by itself. What, what have you got? You got the um, what, Oops, what did you got? Much. You got the vodka. Wait, a taste of what? Yeah. The vodka? Yeah. Before yeah, I, I mean, just when you get put. Did we? When I you thought we already had a vodka. We had Bombay, Bombay Sapphire. Yeah, we, we had was at the gym with the vodka. There's the vodka, isn't it? Uh, the Sapphire's oh, gym. Oh, did I already taste yeah, that's it? Right. Yeah. If I already tasted it, that's this fine. is vodka. You don't need to taste vodka. No, it's horrific. Oh, it's pretty horrific. No, 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 no. This is good. This is smooth. Well, I want to give me just a wee taste. Okay. And then I also want to do this. This is being recorded. I'm not really tasting it. I'm sniffing it. I'm tasting it on my olfactory senses. I am not pouring Gina a drink. Just in case anyone's wondering. I, I am following her, her cues. And I am respecting her boundaries. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I felt like if, if I was a drinker, I would be a very responsible drinker. <laughs> I'm a very responsible drinker. I don't drink. The few times about. I have ever felt just like a tad bit woozy or whatever, mm-hmm. like I just sleep it off. I would never. Did you already take it? No, she's. Oh, she's just smelling it over there. Is that good with the Gatorade? Is it not mixed? I mean, I just got like freaking booze all over me. This smell like a freaking brewery. <laughs> I spilled the gin all over my lap. <laughs> Alright, hang on, hang on. What are we toasting to? Oh, we're toasting. Right. We are toasting to the feminine divine. <gasps> Absolutely. This is my favorite so far. To the feminine divine within. Ready? Oh, you guys took the whole thing already. <laughs> So you do a shot. Nicely. This, this is, is a real drink. shot. This is a shot. Oh, I thought this was a shot. This is a third of a shot. Well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was a sipper. <laughs> there we go. And I enjoyed right. watching you take Look at you it. all. <laughs> Good girl. There, you there go. we go. All right, now let us eat. Let's go. It's been a joy. <laughs> oh, yes, it has. Thank you so much, Gina. <laughs> And Natasha again. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we need a hug. Yes. And that wraps up today's topics. We are so glad you stopped by. Be sure to join the Mormon Happy Hour on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon. If you smiled, please drop us a five-star review wherever you found us. See you next week. Cheers.